2: Jerry and Tracy Pauly,
0: and their dog, Ninja.
1: Hey guys, welcome to episode 215 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry.
0: And I'm Tracy.
1: Whew, I'm out of breath. <laughs>
0: wait, wait. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm.
1: We're just having some fun. We got a, a, a one-star review that basically said that I constantly lost my place and I was Sound like I was out of breath, like I was a really large man out of breath, and lose my place. And there was a woman in the background that just basically said "Hmm" a lot. So,
0: well, I did do that quite a bit, but
1: so we're having fun. All right, and I'm starting cardio tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. First of all, we want a big thank you to all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, especially during these tough times of COVID. Thanks to everybody that's doing their part.
0: Oh, my gosh. We pray for you guys so hard because we know you have to be so mentally drained, exhausted, but you keep on pushing through like the angels that you are. So we love you guys so much. Thank you for keeping us safe, and you guys keep yourselves safe.
1: And I know we say this we've at least a lot the last, uh, last three, four months, but... The suicide rates, the overdose rates are sky high compared to what they normally would be during this time. So it's obvious that there are just a lot of people really struggling with everything going on right now. And uh, we just want people to know that, you know, we're here for you. And when I say we're, I mean, basically, it's Tracy and myself. It's the group. It's the podcast. It's everybody in the group. It's just amazing what a family has been created in there and how quick someone is to try to help somebody else.
0: Amen. Well said.
1: So, Anyways, if uh, you would prefer to speak to someone on a more professional basis, uh, the suicide hotline number is what, Tracy?
0: 800-273-8255 and if you would like to just text it's 741-741. Just don't Just give up. Don't give up. Don't. Yeah. We're all here for you. We will do everything we can, you know, to be there for you. Just please don't. And we
1: we literally get three, four, five emails or messages a week telling Mm -hmm. people that either the show or the group or us, you know, personally have helped people battle uh, through their depression and and to either seek help or to not do something that they would have, you know, they are able to regret it.
0: And even though we know we say it every week and we totally mean it every week, we are still humbled by how many people reach out to us. And like, I, don't, I just can't explain to you how we feel about that. It's just an incredible feeling that people feel like they can trust to talk to us, and that means everything. So just we're very, very grateful for that.
1: Amen. All right. This episode is brought to you by El Yucateco Hot Sauce. We are so thankful to have them as sponsors, and we're super thankful that you guys are going out there and buying the product and taking pictures and putting it on you Twitter. You guys
0: are amazing.
1: And Instagram and Facebook. Trust me when I tell you, these times are tough for us financially, just you know, as far as the podcast goes, because with COVID, a lot of advertisers backed out. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when that happened, El Yucateco stepped up. They did. And we greatly appreciate that. And, and you know, only thing they've asked in return is to have you guys show that you're looking at the product, you're thinking about the product, you're using the product. Mm -hmm. And we just, every time you guys send me a picture, I tag them in it.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you guys are amazing. We can't thank you enough for doing that. Unless you you get some good tasting hot sauce out of it.
1: Seven different flavors. Five of them are habanero-based. They are the number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States and top ten out of all hot sauce in the United States. And the two that are not habanero is a chipotle and mm. jalapeno.
0: You cannot even go wrong Yeah, With and those, any are, of that.
1: Those are the two that are the least hot, too. So if, mm-hmm. you're people, if you're the type of people that like a little flavor but you're not really into it's hot, yeah. that's your that's your best. But most of them aren't as hot as you would think they would be. They're just really good. And uh, you can get most of them at your local grocers, such as Walmart, or Target, and if they don't have it, ask them to get it on the shelf. We've got more and more of you actually sending us pictures showing that you've asked, and some of these grocery stores have actually put them on the shelf. Yep. Isn't that great? Um, but if not, go to lucateco.com, uh, and you can uh, buy it there, and you can mm-hmm. buy it in bulk. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right, guys. Let's get on with the stories. So I told you we were going to be doing some things a few weeks back that we hadn't done, like some lighthouse and battlefields. So I haven't done the battlefields yet, but... We are doing cemeteries this week.
0: Well, can't go wrong there. No. gonna find something around there.
1: So I wanted to do an episode on the haunted cemeteries, but I wasn't exactly sure how I wanted to do it, if that makes any sense. I didn't want to do the most well-known haunted cemeteries like Bachelor Grove or the Resurrection Cemetery in Chicago or Bonaventure in Savannah. Those are all big ones, and we've actually done some of those already anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. So I wanted to try to find some cemeteries that may not be as well known as some of the other ones that we mentioned. So we got three to tell you about tonight. Now some of these are very haunted, so there's all kinds of stories going on in there. But some of them just primarily have like one main ghost that we'll focus on. So it's going to be a little bit mixed up. Tracy, it's apparent that Chicago definitely has plenty of haunted cemeteries.
0: Oh, I'm sure they
1: do. you've obviously got the Resurrection Cemetery Mm -hmm. and you've got Bachelor's Grove right there in Chicago. So the one we're going to focus on tonight is called Graceland Cemetery. All right, Graceland Cemetery is about three blocks from Wrigley Field. That's it? Yeah, now think about this. So obviously that's a part of Chicago that's, you know, hustling and bustling. It's very busy. But when Thomas B. Bryan actually founded the cemetery back in 1860, it was practically wilderness around there. It is 120 acres and absolutely gorgeous. Most of the aesthetic looks is due to the hiring of architects William LeBaron Jenny and Ossian Cole Simons.
0: I wonder if, I mean, it's a lot of acreage, of course, but I wonder if they're full to capacity.
1: Yes, they are. Oh,
0: they are? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: They obviously did a wonderful job enhancing the looks of the cemetery. Oh, good. Some of the more famous people that are buried here are Marshall Field. You've probably heard of Marshall Field's, the store. Oh, yeah. That's, that was him, his department stores. And in Chicago's first settler, a gentleman by the name of John Kinsey, There's a railroad tycoon by the name of George Pullman and Alan Pinkerton. Have you ever heard of Pinkerton security? No. What? I don't think so. They're like one of the biggest security companies in the world. Like, like, even in Louisville, there's a Pinkerton Security. Yeah, um, I huh, figured you would have heard it. Well, I also think, if I remember correctly, I think Pinkertons were the ones that actually uh, had something to do with H.H. Holmes getting caught. I'm almost positive.
0: Wow.
1: So I know they they were had something to do with it. Or, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was H.H. Holmes. Maybe it was... uh. We'll have to look into that. The chicken coop murders. I don't know. But one of but them, Pinkertons are famous regardless. Anyways, there's a gentleman by the name of Ludwig Wolf Now, he's got a tomb out there that's been carved out, out of, um, uh, I guess you should say, built into like a mound mm-hmm. of, of earth. So it's like a, a hill and his tomb is like dug into it. Oh. So they've they've used that there and that's they got cool. yeah they got some stairs leading up to the entrance there's a vent on top of the tomb now the legend says that he was so afraid of being buried alive that he had a ventilation system built into the tomb
0: no kidding and that's why there's
1: a vent up there there's also some bells and whistles literally in case <laughs> he was buried alive he could pull on it and blow on it and
0: i get it but i guess i'm thinking why didn't they take all that out i guess that'd be stupid though after they, knew, I mean, they know you're dead after two or three years. Yeah, what's, years, the, what's but,
1: the point of messing with? Well, paid that's for.
0: true. That's true.
1: Anyway, I thought it was cool that he had a ventilation system and everything built into his tomb,
0: just in case. Well, I mean, that's happened before.
1: People it has been
0: buried alive.
1: And yeah, it's funny. We're going to hear a story almost about that later tonight from our listener, Karen Ladd, Mm -hmm. who actually made the uh, plaque that we put on our door to our studio. I love it. But she has a very unique story about someone that went to the morgue and wasn't dead. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. But they thought she was dead.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: So we're going to talk about that one. She's going to tell us a little bit about that later in the show. All right. The tomb, so we were just talking about it, it's right on the other side of the Montrose Avenue fence. Now, right across from that, there's some apartment buildings. And the residents there say that on nights that there's a full moon and the cemetery is illuminated by the moon's light, you can see Ludwig Wolf's faithful dog, which was a wolfhound, pacing back and forth at the tomb's entrance. They said that his fur is shining and his eyes are glowing a fluorescent green. Hmm. Now, some say these residents may just be seeing coyotes that are in the area.
0: Yeah, but that's kind of weird that they're right in front of his
1: tomb. I find it weird that there are coyotes in the middle of Chicago.
0: Yeah, that is a I guess I would not
1: have thought about that.
0: I mean, I wouldn't think they would be there, but who knows?
1: Inside the cemetery is Lake Willow Weir. Now, across from the lake is the Goodman family's tomb. Now, some people walking through the cemetery have said that they've spotted a figure of a man standing on the veranda that as that is on top of the tomb. And then, Ernie Banks. Do you know who Ernie Banks is?
0: Ernie Banks.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've heard that name. Ernie Banks is known as Mr. Cub. He's the most famous. Oh, famous Chicago Cub. Yeah, that's why I remember. He's now. actually buried there. In uh, in the lake area now, there's a little walking bridge that leads to a small island inside the lake. This is where Daniel Burnham's family is buried. Daniel's there too, along with his family, but his entire family is buried there. So Daniel was the architect of the World's Fair in Chicago. Um, that was that's the one H. H. Holmes actually used to get his people uh-huh. <laughs> to stay at his at his murder hotel. Yeah, to get his peeps. Daniel's ghost has been seen there several times after his death, but nobody really knew who he was until the book The Devil in the White City was published, which was about the World's Fair. So after that came out, people's like, oh, well, we've seen that guy. <laughs> we didn't know we saw a ghost, but we didn't know who the hell it was. They didn't realize who it was. And now we know who it is. He's usually seen walking on the banks of the island with his hands inside of his pocket. He is sometimes seen at the at his old office at the rookery building on LaSalle street. And that is the building where he actually designed the world's fair.
0: Nice. So,
1: pretty cool. There's a,
0: sounds the, funny to say he designed the world's fair.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do they even have world's fairs anymore? I wonder. I'm sure they do, but don't, I mean, it's not like it used to be. Yeah. Cause as a matter of fact, that world's fair was the one where they, um, the Edison and, the other guy that was fighting with DC current and an AC current, that's where they unveiled the light bulbs and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like that's where electricity really came to the forefront and mm-hmm. there, or at least electric light bulbs and stuff.
0: Yeah, so. and ain't Bee's pickles.
1: That was the state fair, not a world's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Kerosene. Right. There are a few other smaller stories that I'm going to uh, tell later this week on our Patreon shorts because I want to talk about the most famous legend here, And that would be Inez Clark. Who's that? Well, legend says that Inez Clark died at the age of six years old in 1880. Some say it was tuberculosis. Some say she was struck by lightning.
0: Well, either one sucks. Yes.
1: Her family had a life-size statue made by a Sicilian sculptor that was completed a year after the child's death. Some years later... It was encased in a clear plexiglass box to protect it from the weather. The statue. Yes. The story says that there was a night watchman from Pinkerton. Remember, we talked about them. Mm -hmm. He was making his rounds in a cemetery. It was about the storm. He got to Inez's burial spot, and the clear box was empty. He left and refused to come back to his job.
0: What? There was no sign of glass breakage? Nothing?
1: Nope. The next morning, the statue was back in its case. <gasps> now keep in mind, this this plexiglass box is bolted down. Then what the heck? Good question. There have been several sightings in the cemetery of a young girl in 19th century clothing wandering around the cemetery. I guess that defeats the purpose of me saying in the cemetery. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. <laughs> Her grave is the most popular in all of the uh, cemetery, and it is still in pristine condition as far as the statue itself. Visitors often leave flowers and toys at the base of the statue. Oh,
0: that's amazing! I kind of
1: like to see that. Sadly, in 1997, her grave was vandalized. There was a big gouge that was made in the front panel of the of the box, but. Um, no other damage was done. They said that it looks like it was the result of an axe being slammed into it. But apparently, whoever had done it realized they weren't going to be able to get into it, so they just left. There was no damage done to the marble statue at all, and the panel, the front panel has been replaced since then. People just kill me.
0: I wish that whatever they swung it with, pulled back and hit him right in the head and knocked their ass out.
1: That would have been funny. It would have been. So there's also stories that Pretty say... do Stooges moment. Okay.
0: Get it? When they all hit each other, I'm like, hmm. Okay.
1: So there's also stories that say that the plexiglass box was put there not to protect from the elements, but because the statue kept moving on its own, so the box was to keep it in place.
0: No way.
1: Oh. So this is where the story gets extremely weird, okay? Okay. First of all, there is no record of an Inez Clark in the cemetery records. They do show a child being buried at that exact grave in August of 1880, but it's not Inez Clark. The child that they have listed was Amos Briggs. There is no Inez Clark listed in Graceland records at all. Well, how, how
0: would they come up with that name?
1: And it's on it's on the statue. But and, I... I I'm getting ready to tell you. Okay. Here's what Chicago historian John Binder found out. Now, this goes back to 2009. He said that there is an Inez buried on that spot. Inez Briggs. And here's where all this is. You're going to have to follow me on this. She died of diphtheria in August of 1880. So that fits. She was... Uh, according to her death certificate, she was six years old and buried at Graceland Cemetery. All right, so Binder thinks that Amos and Inez was mixed up on the cemetery records. They should have put Inez Briggs. They put Amos Briggs, and that's why they can't find her. Now, this gets deeper.
0: Don't they know the difference between a boy
1: and a girl? Well, you still... They're not looking at just somebody wrote it down wrong. Keep in mind there wasn't computers and stuff. It was somebody hand wrote it and they might've had 10 different deaths they were putting in and just somebody Mm -hmm. made a mistake. So when Inez died, she was living with her mom by the name of Mary McClure and Mary's parents, David and Jane Rothrock. It's a bad name. But anyway, they were, they were living there in the, on the West side of Chicago. So Mary was Inez's mom. Had divorced Inez's father, whose name was Walter Briggs. So you can see now where Inez mm-hmm. Briggs comes in. Yeah. She remarried to a John Clark. So even though Inez was not his daughter, the family gave her Clark's last name on the tombstone. So instead of being Inez Briggs, even though Inez Briggs was listed as buried there, the tombstone, which came later, they put Inez Clark on to reflect her stepfather's name. And that's where all this confusion has came in. So it's all cleared up now. And it, and it looks like that, um, you know, it's all straight now, but that's, that's what the real issue was. Huh. So to make sure we're clear. That's, that's so confusing, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, to make sure we're clear, Inez Briggs was her name. They accidentally put Amos Briggs on there. That's why Inez Briggs didn't show up. But then the, the, Actual stone itself says Inez Clark, which was her stepdad. And that's why nobody could find an Inez Clark because her name really wasn't Inez Clark. Yeah. So that's confusing. Wow, that is very confusing. But anyway, that should be the answer to the Mm -hmm. problem right there. Are you ready for this new cemetery we're going to talk about? Yeah. Rookwood Necropolis. Fancy. It's in Australia. So Necropolis, by the way, means it's Greek for City of the Dead. So it's fitting. This is in about 10 miles south of Sydney, Australia. It was established in 1867 on a site that was once called Haslam's Creek. So before the British settlers came there and settled the land, it was inhabited by the Waggle people. And I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong. It's either the Waggle or Waggle, but I think it's the Waggle people. The area was also supposedly an ancient aboriginal burial site. The cemetery was needed because there was a very rapid growth of New South Wales at the time. So they came over here. This The 700 acres were set aside. There was also like nine denominational sections there. So that was highly unusual because, you know, normally if you're Catholic, you went to a Catholic cemetery or whatever. So they had nine different denominations. So I don't know what the denominations were, but I'm sure they had Catholics. I'm sure they had Protestants. I'm sure they had, you know, whatever Jewish. So it's pretty cool that this was actually a cemetery where everybody could be buried in their own section.
0: That's very nice. So it's
1: like nine cemeteries all into one mm-hmm. when you think about That's it.
0: That's very nice.
1: Anyways, by the um, 1890s, the cemetery had really grown into a substantial business, and it had numerous administration buildings. It had a caretaker residential building and chapels and a crematorium. I didn't know that they had crematoriums, crematoriums Back in the eighteen nineties. I thought that no, was a, I didn't either. a lot more recent thing, like maybe the thirties or the forties.
0: And then the you said the caretaker had his own place yeah. to live at?
1: Yeah, this place was top notch. Rookwood has over one million people buried there, making it the largest still operating cemetery from the Victorian era in the entire world.
0: A million people.
1: A million people. And they're still they're still right burying the... people there.
0: That's insane.
1: Its landscaping was made up of ecologically-minded grids and corridors to provide connectivity for animal crossings along the canal streets and boundaries separating sections. This place was like a lot of thought put into it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's really amazing.
1: There are picnic areas and gazebos on the ground. Most of them are ivy-covered. Absolutely beautiful. I've seen some pictures of it. You can make a nice day out there visiting your loved one.
0: Well, it sounds just... Absolutely beautiful.
1: It does. But Rookwood has a very dark history. For over a hundred years, Rookwood has been haunted by not only the dead, but the living. Few places in Australia are culturally as significant as Rookwood. Right next to the cemetery was Rookwood Asylum, also known as Lidcombe Hospital. Attempts were made to treat patients humanely. They often failed, unfortunately. What a shame. Imagine you had this insane asylum in the late 1800s to the early 1900s overlooking a cemetery. (laughs) 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 That's peaceful to the people. Oh, yeah. The hospital closed in 1927. The cemetery even had its own special train line that came from Lidscombe Station, Mortuary Station was built in Sydney, just around the corner from Central Railroad Station, and is still there today. This special train would steam its way up to Rookwood and back, and it would drop people off at five different stations you know, for either funerals or for visiting your loved ones. But either way, that's what the train's only purpose was, was to get people back and forth to the cemetery.
0: But you said the train station's still there?
1: The train station's still there. They, but it don't, don't, they, run. they don't run the train okay. back and forth, as far as I know. Paranormal-wise, there have been several sightings from employees as well as visitors. And this is one uh, of the places where they have devil chairs. Remember, we've talked about them before. Mm -hmm. Which basically, in in essence, it is just a chair that people have put there so they can sit in it when they visit their loved ones. Yes. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're wood, sometimes they're concrete. I've seen them, all kinds of different ones. No kidding. Yeah. So anyways, this particular one uh, has the legend that The devil will actually show up there at a certain time. If someone wants to make a wish or to make a deal with the devil, it'll show up and allow you to make your wish. Um,
0: No. It's
1: like Episode of Supernatural at the crossroads. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) There are supposedly several of these chairs throughout the cemetery. All right.
0: How How many people do you think do that?
1: I don't know. I wouldn't think anybody would.
0: I wouldn't think so either.
1: But there is... A plus side, there's also a special wishing bench. That's nice. Yeah.
0: I'm down for that.
1: Legend says that if you sit on this bench and you pray, your prayers will be answered immediately. If so, there's something for everybody.
0: So, you mean if I if I make a wish and say, I wish to be five seven, five six and skinny, bam, I'm at?
1: Well, I think it's more like prayers than wishes. It says it's a wishing bench, but I think it says if you pray. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you need to be praying to be taller or (laughs) (laughs) skinnier. Another tale about this bench is that an angel appears and comes and sits on the bench from midnight to 3 a.m. And the whole point of it being there is to guard against demons that would come from hell to destroy it. So you wouldn't want that happening. Interesting. Interesting. There's also a legend that says that the cemetery is home to one of the lost or hidden gates of hell. And why wouldn't it be? Many ghost photos, EVPs, and actual documentation of paranormal activity occur here almost daily, it's said. Many say that the spirits are more restless here than any other location in Australia. What's funny about this place is to have so much paranormal activity, there's not a lot of stories. You know, there's not a, I saw this, I saw that. There's just like, you're going to see something, but it's nothing that stands out. So I don't really have any stories to tell you per se, other than the fact to tell you it's a haunted-ass place. Yeah. And that how cool it was. Now, this is one of the reasons I picked this cemetery, because I thought this was a cool story. One of the graves here in the cemetery were visited by Harry Houdini. It's a burial site of famous magician William Davenport. He and his brother Erwin were known as the Davenport Brothers and they used to do a demonstration of spirit phenomena. The pair would be securely tied to a spirit cabinet as they called it and the spirits would play musical instruments and do other manifestations. They would often do this in a darkened theater as you can imagine probably worked best. In July 1st 1877 while on tour in Australia William died and was buried at Rookwood. In 1910 Houdini was on tour also in Australia, and he visited the grave. He was saddened that the whole area where this grave was was completely neglected. So Houdini, being the man that he was, he pulled up all the weeds in the area, he put fresh flowers down, and he even paid for a stonemason to fix the the headstone that had been falling apart. Good, Ira... William's brother, was so impressed and moved by the fact that Houdini did this that he showed them the famous Davenport rope tie trick. This was a trick that was so secret that not even Davenport's sons knew it.
0: <laughs> oh, so, but would they remember it?
1: Right. So it's said that the ghost of brother the Davenport brothers... Can be seen wandering all around the cemetery, even though Ira had moved back to the states and died in 1911, and was buried in Mayville, New York, which is kind of cool when you think about it. Because um, this happened in 1910, and his brother showed that, him all yeah. those tricks and then passed away the very next year. Yeah. So, anyway, like I said, it this was this was a strange one. Like I said, there's all these different reports, but no real. Uh, stories that i could really pick to be able to go out and i looked at a bunch of different places i thought there would be ones to stand out but they weren't i just thought that that was really cool um that there were houdini visited the the cemetery out there but trust me there's gonna be plenty of stories on this next cemetery (laughs) well good (laughs) we're gonna jump now to a cemetery in decatur illinois by the name of greenwood cemetery this one's got it all tracy at least five different entities, ghost lights, a whole train load of dead from the Civil War. It literally has it all. So some say the cemetery is one of the most haunted sites in the entire country. On the other cemeteries that we talked about, I was able to tell you when they were established. Greenwood is different, though. And no one is exactly sure how or when it was actually started. But graves just started appearing there in the 1820s. When the cemetery, people just started... planting people there there you
0: go well they were like well this looks like a better place than any i reckon
1: it was dedicated and became a recognized cemetery in 1857 so that's 37 years later before it was actually named a cemetery most assume that it was previously a native american burial ground but any of those bodies that were buried during the native american days have long since either been moved or gone or no kidding not located In the early 1900s, the cemetery was often the site of grave robbing and it started to fall into a really bad state of disrepair. One of the most beautiful mausoleums, which was called the Public Mausoleum, had to be torn down due to safety reasons as it was starting to crumble. It was built in 1908. In 1957, it was condemned. And the families were notified that, hey, we're going to have to tear this thing down, so you're going to have to move your loved ones from this mausoleum. And they said over a hundred bodies were not claimed. Oh. And they were not able to even figure out who most of those bodies were.
0: So they just moved them anyways to somewhere else?
1: I don't know what they did with them. I didn't see what they had done with them. Who, but, who? but they didn't close it down. They didn't actually shut it down until 1967. So they gave it 10 years mm-hmm. to try to relocate those bodies. But in the meantime, it was closed to the public. So people couldn't go in there. So it was just there, but you couldn't visit loved ones or anything in there just oh. because it was. they were so afraid it was going to collapse on somebody. Oh, wow. They said it was really poor craftsmanship. Ship, it looked yeah. really good, but it was built very poorly. Right. So that was the problem. Even though that it's gone, people still see things. And for a couple of weeks before it was torn down, people were saying you could hear screams inside there and you could see lights. What? And from inside the mausoleum. This was like an open-ended one where like you could just walk in. Uh-huh. It was covered, but it just didn't have doors on it.
0: Oh, so, so was, you could just like walk through to yeah. the other side?
1: Yeah. Oh, so, dang. And the people were on the inside. So you could walk through and there was people on both sides of you. Kind of like a giant garage. Mm. Anyways, now that it was torn down after 1967, people were still seeing lights strange lights in the area and they've still never put any graves there so then that was 67 so it's been you know 40 what 43 years or something 33 years and there's still no graves in that area that patch of land they've just left it blank but people are always seeing spirits or they're seeing ghost lights or something occurring in that area where the mausoleum used to stand oh and they're assuming it's probably some of those people that never got
0: yeah the ones that nobody claimed or whatever oh that's such sad
1: so i mentioned the train earlier and the Civil Civil War bodies. So the story behind this is that there was a prison train carrying Confederate prisoners that came through this area. Unfortunately, many of the prisoners contracted yellow fever and died while they were on board the train.
0: Well, that's terrible. What is yellow fever?
1: I have no idea. It's okay. a fever where you turn yellow. Oh. Other than that, I don't know the details. <laughs> All right. So inside of Greenwood Cemetery, there's a Civil War memorial. And many believe that this is not only the most haunted part of the cemetery, but possibly the most evil. Why, you ask? Because it is thought that of all the prisoners who died aboard the train of yellow fever, mm-hmm. they were all buried into a mass grave right in that area where the memorial is. Now, that alone was pretty normal back in the day when someone, sure. you know, you had have mass people that died of an illness like that. They They were afraid of catching it, so they would just bury them in a mass grave. This case, though it is believed that some of the men that were buried in this mass grave were not completely dead yet. What? So some of these people that were dumped in this mass grave were maybe on their deathbed and they weren't going to make it. Oh, my God! But they weren't 100% dead yet.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And if that's not bad enough, several years later, because this is right there on the river, a flood came through there and it washed away several of the the bodies that had been interred there, I and hate that word. I know you do. That's the only reason I used it. So, anyways,
0: why didn't they cover them up? I guess it still well, could have washed were, them away. They were
1: covered up, but it was like the, I think down kind of a hill or something. Oh,
0: I gotcha. Okay. So,
1: what happened was they recovered some of the bodies, not all of them. And the ones that they recovered, they reburied them, but they just listed them as unknown soldier mm. because they had no way of knowing who it was.
0: How sad is that?
1: And then probably some somebody, some of these washed up in some you know down the river and. May have washed up on somebody's yard or something, which oh. is probably how they recovered some of them. Good grief. Anyway, regardless of, of how that happened, this is probably the reason why there's numerous sightings of Confederate soldiers walking around the cemetery. There is a commonly seen apparition of a, of a soldier in a tattered Confederate uniform, that he seems to be very confused as to where he is.
0: Yeah, because he's probably like, hello, I wasn't dead, and now I'm walking around here not knowing what the heck's going on.
1: You don't know that that guy was one of the undead.
0: It could have been. That's why he was confused.
1: But he he looks so real that people walk up to him, up to, him to try to offer help, and then he disappears as they get to him. Oh
0: my gosh, he is that vivid that people can th- actually walk up to him.
1: Yeah. There's also a corpse of a bride that haunts the cemetery. She's known as the Greenwood Bride. You're going to be surprised by this, but she is walking around inside it in a white wedding dress, and she's searching for her fiancé, apparently.
0: What did he do? Stand her up at the altar?
1: No. Oddly enough, this one is a little bit different, but I had a question for you. Mm-hmm. How come it's always the woman that's jilted walking around in a dress trying to find a fiancé? Why is it never like a guy in a tux looking for his soon-to-be wife or the wife that stood him up at the altar?
0: Well, I'm sure there is and usually it's the man's fault no matter what anyway. Yeah, so yeah. Probably
1: so. Yep. So anyways, what happened was her parents had her buried in her wedding gown. So this is why you see her in a wedding gown even though she never actually made it to the altar. Well, that's
0: sad. What happened to him? Do we ever well, find out?
1: Yeah, she no, well, here's what's supposed to happen. It says that this goes back to the nineteen thirties, okay? Mm-hmm. And Her parents did not approve of her getting married to this guy, nor did his parents approve of him marrying her. And the guy was a bootlegger. He tells her that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and finish my deliveries for the night. After I get finished with the last one, we're going to elope. And she waited and waited. He didn't show up. And the next day she found out that he was killed by a rival bootlegger and was tossed into the river that's right there that's
0: horrible
1: and then she threw herself into the river and drowned Aww,
0: herself. there is enough land enough people that drink that moonshine <laughs> that he didn't have to go to all that
1: but she supposedly wanders around the cemetery looking at headstones trying to find her fiance's
0: jerry headstone. that's so sad yeah that is terrible
1: it was a long time ago though.
0: But I know, I but just just think about that. How how heartbreaking is that for real?
1: It was it, it would be bad. If it's true. You know you never know about these stories. Mm. Still a lot of folklore. There's also some devil chairs here in the cemetery, just like in the first story we talked about. It is a little bit different here there. You still get to make the pact with the devil, but this one says that if you come there and sit and you make a pact with the devil, it's for seven years you get anything you want. Then the devil comes and claims your soul. Hm. That's just like on Supernatural, except it was 10 years on there.
0: What was your other choice?
1: Well, the other legends are that... if It's not really another choice. It's just that some of the other legends said that if you sit there, you're going to have bad luck or you'll die within a year.
0: Hmm. So That's a tough choice. Decisions, decisions.
1: <laughs> There's another strange phenomenon here at Greenwood, and it's phantom funerals and mourners. Staff and visitors alike have said that all throughout the cemetery they have seen just a funeral that's not a real funeral. It's people standing around, it's ministers, but then when they walk up on it 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 just like disappears.
0: Now see that is something I would never ever think of.
1: Yeah. Would you? No. No.
0: Well that's real that's kinda of fascinating.
1: Now the cemetery today is very well taken care of. And it would definitely make a cool place to visit. So if I was going that's to visit really one of good. these three places, I would actually like to visit all three of these places. Mm-hmm. But this one might be the one I really like. This mm. one in Rookwood. So, wow. Anyways, that's our story. Dang, that's
0: that's really good. That was a good story, babe.
1: And of course, on Patreon this week, we're going to have some other little smaller cemetery stories. Okay, just good. To kind of stick with the thing.
0: Awesome! I can't wait to hear those. So Tracy,
1: we've got a quick patreon reviews and and, i mean uh, patreon uh, subscribers and reviews to get through and then we're going to play this awesome story this morgue story that you don't want to miss from karen ladd Mm -hmm. so first though before you do this let's take a quick break from our sponsor
0: all right this week we have our itunes x-ray vision 54 mf camp and our always dependable Mojo Mojo Lobster. lobster. God love you, honey. And we appreciate you so much for doing that. And we appreciate your reviews. They were all very awesome,
1: except one. Yeah, we got like 3,500 iTunes reviews and I think 2,800 are Mojo Lobster.
0: (laughs) Probably so. And Patreon this week, we have Vanessa Browning, Nick Bellamonte, and Sarah Pat. You guys rock. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it more than you ever know. And just, you know, as we always say, we're very humbled.
1: Yeah, we are very humbled. And we were told by... uh I got a t-shirt company trying to get us to switch and we're going to, by the way, it might be a couple weeks down the road. Cause it's a lot of effort to switch this company. Cause I got to rebuild the whole store, mm-hmm. not with bricks and stuff. That would be even harder. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I could, definitely couldn't accomplish that, but yeah. I, but I am about to go in and put all the new designs in and click everything. That's on. And it that literally takes like two full days of work to do it right. Yeah, we want to make
0: sure it's really nice for you guys. But at
1: the same time, the problem we're having is I know a lot of you guys have tried to order merchandise, and you try to do it from your phone or tablet, Mm -hmm. and inevitably there is a problem with the company we use to where it won't let you put it in the cart. And if you do it from a computer or a laptop or something, it'll let you, but... Not everybody uses a computer or laptop, and and so for every time we hear somebody say, hey, there's an issue, I can't do it, I'll be willing to bet there's 10 people trying to order that don't. And we've said for the longest time, it seems like we would have more merchandise sales than what we are having, just by the amount of people who talk about the interest in it. And I think a lot of them are just people who are trying and just can't.
0: So, do you think we'll have an issue with the? We shouldn't have that issue,
1: right? No, I've next talked place? to this company. I've explained to them in detail uh-huh. what the problems were, and they said they do not. They said the only problems that they are having right now is occasionally they'll have a problem on international orders, uh-huh. and we don't get a lot of international no, orders uh-uh. to begin with. So, um, and but I think in in this company they work with podcasters uh, primarily. That's their business, so uh, they've agreed to help in every way, shape, or form. So,
0: yeah, and. We are getting so excited, well, I am, about Halloween coming up and all the fall stuff. I yeah,
1: maybe we'll be able to set a bucket outside the door and tell kids to stand six feet apart as they grab one while we look out the window.
0: That is not going to happen.
1: Yeah, no. We'll see.
0: But we, we are hoping and praying that our uh, Bobby Mackey show goes on. And
1: Yeah, as of right now, I guess that that's a good point that you brought that up. As of right now, that show is still on. Now, we really haven't talked about it because I wasn't sure. Yeah. But tickets are still for sale for that show mm-hmm. and there's only 50 tickets available uh there's about 10 or 12 sold right now we normally would have been sold out if it wasn't for covid and because of the fact that we just quit talking about it because i wasn't sure All right so but that show is still going on so if you want to buy tickets it's just going to be us inside there with gatekeeper paranormal on mm-hmm. a sunday at 12 o'clock it's going to be a three-hour show it's just going to be us and them and mm-hmm. uh the tickets they have you can buy a ticket that's just You know, listening to us for 10 bucks, or for $25, you get to listen to us, and you get a tour of Bobby Mackey's.
0: And you definitely want to do that, because
1: it's totally worth it. Yeah, like I said, last year, we sold those tickets out really quick. Oh, yeah. And it was hot as hell. Yeah. In there. So, that's why we planned this one for October, so hopefully it won't be hot.
0: (laughs) Well, we hope not. We hope not. So, we... We're pretty positive that this is still going to happen, and and if it does, we cannot wait to see everybody because we have missed the crap out of you guys. Yeah, our are. live shows and everything. So we're getting excited and looking forward to that. Um, just you know, like I say, keep the reviews coming. We appreciate them more than you know.
1: Yeah, please, and please, please, on the reviews. Uh, don't forget, we do have merchandise for sale. So if we you want to buy some stuff, we got hoodies and stuff. So if you're getting ready to start ramping up for fall, fall. Yeah. Um also I just wanna say that um we love you guys.
0: We do love you guys. And we hope that you all know that from the bottom of our hearts. And we are just so happy you guys are hanging with us and you know, are still listening because that's everything to us right now.
1: Yeah, after four years there's a lot of lot of shows that would kill to still be doing things after four years and still have listeners so yeah you guys are are
0: awesome we are very honored thank you from the bottom of our hearts all right let's
1: listen to karen's uh quick little story that you'll look you're gonna like this one hey guys i've got a special guest on tonight i've got karen ladd and karen actually made the beautiful plaque with our logo on it that we were so impressed with for our new studio I'm sure most of you have probably seen it in the video we posted because I think it's got over a thousand views now and uh, if not I posted it on Instagram and I posted it on our Facebook group and the regular page Karen thanks for coming on we appreciate it and we really appreciate the plaque
2: thank you and I'm glad you liked
1: it yeah it was way more than I ever expected I guess. When you said that you were going to try to do the logo, I know how much detail is in that logo, and I don't know much about wood burning, but that seemed like a pretty tall task, and you you did a remarkable job on it.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed the challenge. I really
1: did. Well, good. So I posted something. I don't remember exactly how this happened, but there was a story about somebody waking up in a morgue. Uh, they thought that the person was dead. They woke up in the morgue, and that's a cool enough story, but then you chimed in and actually said you've got a similar story, I believe, that featured your mom. So I asked you if you would come on and tell the story. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you can fix any errors I just had, if, if there were any. And uh, you could tell us the story, and uh, I think everybody's going to find this interesting.
2: Okay. First, let me preface by saying that my family has very twisted humor, so this kind of turned into... One of those fun family stories you tell after the fact. Okay. So, my mom was a military child. And she was born with a birth defect that um, caused her kidneys to fail. And when they moved to Panama when she was about seven or eight, so this would have been 59, 58, she got sick with a kidney infection. And she had a heart murmur, so they gave her, it was either an opioid or something to slow her heart down. Because the pain was causing her heart to beat too fast. And they gave it to her, her heartbeat slowed down so much that they couldn't detect a pulse. Now this is back before we had all the fancy equipment we have now. And they told my grandmother that, unfortunately, she had passed away. Imagine my grandmother completely freaking out. This is a hospital in a foreign country. Right. And they put a toe tag on her, took her to the morgue, and they lived in Panama at the time on base. And about three hours later, the mortician is calling my grandmother on a landline, yelling in a foreign language, and my grandmother couldn't translate. Mm. So she rushes down to the morgue, trying to understand what's going on, and she throws open the door, and my mother is sitting there, toe tag still attached, crying. My, ma- my grandmother fainted. it. <laughs> And my grandfather went, well, you can tell she's definitely one of ours. She doesn't give up. He picked her up. They went home. My mother got better. After that, none of the morticians weren't there anymore. There were seven of them. They quit the same day. They couldn't understand what had <laughs> happened. Um, they would not walk in front of her house because they didn't. They were very superstitious. Right. So they didn't know whether she was a gift from God or the devil themselves. They weren't real sure. But they weren't going to take a chance.
1: Yeah,
2: I could see that. <laughs> yeah, as I got old, when I was born, um,. There was a movie in the 80s called Burying the Alive. Yep, I remember that. We were watching it on TV in my grandmother's living room and my grandmother walked in and went, uh-uh, no. And she walked out. <laughs> and my mom walked in and she went, that is my absolute worst fear. Turn it off. And I was like, um, mom, they, they embalm you in stuff nowadays, so you're you're definitely dead when you when you die. And she goes, uh-uh, I'm living proof. And I'm like, what? And she tells me the story, and I look at my grandmother, and my grandmother goes, she's not lying. She's not lying at all. And I'm like, okay, so my mom has risen from the dead. This is kind of neat. <laughs> and my mom had several surgeries, so every time we would go to the hospital, she would request a toe tag. And on one side, she would write, Morning tends to rise from the dead. And on the other side, it says, Double check, I might still be breathing. See, All awesome. her doctors caught the joke. Um, they were not happy, but they, they literally kept a collection of them for her. And um, when my mom finally, unfortunately, did pass away, the emergency room doctor looked at us really weird because we requested two brain scans to make sure that she had passed away. The first one came back with activity. Six days later, it didn't. And I was like, okay, we're good. If there's any activity, she stays hooked up. And ironically enough, um, my parents... Thought April Fool's was the best day of their life for some reason, so practical jokes are a thing in our family, and I'm talking elaborate jokes. <laughs> twice my parents faked their own death for their kids to scare the hell out of us, and twice at my mother's funeral because my mother, ironically enough, was buried on April Fool's Day. <laughs> I told my dad, if she raises out of that coffin, you and her are going together. (laughs) You've already got us twice. Um, They actually went missing for a weekend for April Fool's. So, practical jokes are are not unusual, so I always feared that that would be the big practical joke, was my mom being buried on April Fool's Day, and it turned out to be correct. But she rose from the morgue. She made morticians quit. I made an emergency room doctor quit as I died on a table having my daughter. So we tend to do it a lot. <laughs> we tend to die and come back.
1: I mean, there's a lot of things that, uh, like family secrets and uh, things that are hereditary in families, but that's got to be a first for for well, me. <laughs> well, I when I have my daughter, my heart stopped. Um, I have an issue of where
2: my body if you cut me um, even if I'm unconscious my body goes into shock or fight mode and they gave me a paralytic so my body went into shock and my heart stopped <laughs> and um, the ER the doctor knew me and he just he reached over and because I had a cesarean he reached over the cloth and just literally slammed his hand down on my chest and my heart started beating and the ER doctor that was training with him for uh, OBGYN quit he was like nope done hmm. he's like that's too weird for me and so I, I I have a running joke with my daughter I said you know you get one come back and that's pretty much it so just <laughs> remember <laughs> We tend to die and come back from the dead. Um, I haven't figured out if I'm a vampire, a zombie, or a werewolf yet.
1: No, well, either way. Either way. Yeah,
2: I, I mean, it would be nice to have the, you know, vampire hair and stuff,
1: but don't have that yet. Karen, I appreciate but. you coming on and telling the story. Now, tell everybody where they can contact you if they want to get some woodworking done or where they can see some more of your uh, work. I am part of the Hillbilly Horus Fairies group. Um, And I have an Instagram up.
2: It's called Melting Pot Crafts. It's all one word. And I put all my my crafts. It's not just wood burning. I do Halloween crafts and stuff, too. And I also do pagan woodwork um, for altars and stuff. Um, And I do uh, pagan protection bells and things like that. So you can find me at Melting Park Crafts. It's all one word on Instagram, and I'm in y'all's group. And you can find me by my first name, my first and last name, on Facebook, which is Karen Ladd. Um, my Facebook page is not
1: public, but um, my Instagram is. Well, make sure you go into the group and post some pictures of some of the art that you've got. And uh, sure. post a link to uh, anything that might help draw these uh, fine people to your your craft.
2: Oh, I love doing custom work with custom challenges. It's a lot of fun.
1: Awesome! Wow, and a matter of fact,
2: your plaque alone, all my friends have been like, "That is the best one yet."
1: Well, we're glad to be a part. I know you said your husband said that that was the best that he thought you had done, and uh, that's that's pretty cool because I know you've been doing this a while.
2: Uh, I've been doing it 20 years. Yeah,
1: that's um, I started out at Renfair,
2: doing it for historical reenactment. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's how I got started. Um, I wanted something to do other than run around in a big, heavy dress.
1: I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, uh,
2: Texas Renfairs are hot. <laughs> <laughs> Forty pounds of crushed velvet in 102 degree weather. I'll pass. Nice. So I got to sit in the A.C. and
1: Woodburn instead. Karen, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story. I appreciate it, and we definitely appreciate the plaque. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. She she is so fun and so <laughs> very talented. She
0: is talented,
1: buddy. So, so what do you think about that? So her mom is, is in another country. And they give her this medicine to slow her heartbeat and stuff down. And they think she's dead. And she wakes up in the morgue with her toe tag on.
0: No. Hell no. (laughs) No. That is the, you know, I mean, I can see why that person did that bells and ventilation and all that stuff. Because that is the most scariest thing in this world that you would ever encounter, I would think.
1: I, I just don't worry.
0: even. I just don't even know. I mean, like, you just raise up and say, "What the heck?" You know, what well, you do? I don't even know how you would react.
1: At least they had a good sense of humor about it, because, like she said, every time they went to the hospital before, they asked to put a toe tag on just in case, and and say, "Hey, make sure I'm still dead and all this stuff." <laughs> <for me. laughs>
0: that that is some story.
1: Well, Tracy, that's going to put a wrappings on this week.
0: Man, it's like going to be September in two days. Labor yeah. Day coming up.
1: This today was the four-year anniversary of my heart surgery.
0: It sure was. It sure was. That don't seem like it's been that long ago either.
1: Yeah, for those of you who joined us back then, if you remember, Ricky and I recorded one episode Then the next week. Yeah. We recorded two because I was going to be having surgery. Yeah. Then, like within a couple of days. I know it. So, it is what it is. I'm praise still alive. I'm the, still praise kicking. the
0: Lord. Praise the Lord. So okay. glad you're here. Yeah, well, somebody is. What do you mean somebody is? Boom, I'm just saying, somebody is. Somebody,
1: apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Have a blessed week.